Hello, I'm Jason Solomons and welcome to another edition of Seen Any Good Films Lately? The podcast with the latest film recommendations, new reviews and interviews and treasured movie memories. And we were both taken by how it felt like we were, well, it felt like we were stepping into a, a fairy tale. And he said, go tomorrow at three in the morning. And sure enough, we got there. And it was incredible. I made my mother stay for two more showings, so we saw it three times in a row. My guests on this show are the directors of one of the loveliest and certainly the tastiest documentaries of the year, The Truffle Hunters, which transports us to Italy with directors Michael Dweck and Gregory Kershaw and some trusty dogs. And New York actor Jasmine Batchelor tells us about the moral dilemma in The Surrogate, as well as answering the signature sagful questions about her movie-going life. And we'll hear from all my guests after I tell you if I've seen any good films lately. But yeah, I'll start with one. Black Widow. I tell people my sister moved out west. You're a science teacher. Your husband, he renovates houses. You're thinking about moving, but you're gonna wait until the interest rates go down. That's not my story. (laughs) Before I was an Avenger, I made mistakes. And a lot of enemies. He's called Science Taskmaster. He controls the Red Room. They're manipulated, fully conscious, but no choices. I should have come back for you. How many others are there? Enough. I've been looking forward to this for ages, of course, long delayed because of COVID. But it's always an electrifying joy to see Scarlett Johansson in this role as Natasha Romanoff. And I've always wondered what her story was during all those Avengers movies. She's the only one without like a real superpower. She hasn't been bitten by a spider or affected by gamma rays or anything of that. She's just a very sort of lithe fighter. But the casting of Florence Pugh when I heard about that, was also tantalising. And I'm keen to see how this young British actress would step up to the blockbuster block. And, I'm delighted to report, she does it with aplomb, as does Scarlett, of course. They play sisters here, both groomed since birth as deadly assassins by the uh, evil Russian Drakov, who's played by Ray Winston, like some geopolitical zelig figure who keeps put, popping up with you know with Bill Clinton and Condoleezza Rice and he's his machinations everywhere he's got fingers in pies not much difference between uh, Drakov here and his gambling character in all those adverts who's probably a bit more evil if you ask me anyway back to Black Widow uh, it's got a sort of Killing Eve vibe and there's a bit of Moonraker, the James Bond film, chucked in there. And some of Pixar's The Incredibles. And it's all shaken into that familiar, overblown Marvel cocktail. I like this. I, it was big screen fun, but with a very strong feminist slant. It's all about avenging the control of male power, after all. And there's lots of action sequences, all really quite good, from car chases to rooftop runs in Budapest to helicopter swoops in a Russian prison. And there's some really nice, decent, bickering, sisterly humour with silly Russian accents all over the place. I'd even go so far to say it's one of my favourite entries in the uh, MCU. 
it's a standalone movie without all the cameos from everyone else and all the extraneous stuff that you need to know about what's going on. It sort of stands on its own. Black Widow, really enjoyed it. Very glad I saw it. You should too. Now to the tastiest documentary of the year and a film that lets you travel to mysterious lands, to the fairy tale castles and forests of northern Italy around Alba, where for centuries the art of truffle hunting has been handed down between secret families and their dogs. It's still like that, even though it's a billion dollar multinational business now, and this new documentary digs right down to trace the ecosystem around it. And in doing so, Michael Dweck and Greg Kershaw capture an ancient way of life, shadowy deals in alleyways, and sheer pleasure. There are scenes which unfold in unhurried, locked-off tableau, bringing you Italian dialects, the sounds of the forest, the sounds of the valleys, wine being poured, truffles being shaved, documentary delicacies you just want to savour in The Truffle Hunters. Oh, sounds delicious, doesn't it? And I began by suggesting to Gregory how the whole experience of life, of Italy and the movie can just be encapsulated in this expensive little mushroom. It's a film about truffles, but the truffle kind of encapsulates the magic of this world. And it's really, it's a, a film about sort of the world around the truffles. When we first stumbled onto this place, Michael and I were both actually separately traveling through this region. And we just by chance ended up in the same village around the same time. And we were both taken by how it felt like we were well, it felt like we were stepping into a, a fairy tale. I mean, it was just, it felt like there was something magical about this place, the way it looked, the people that we were interacting with. There was this feeling, and that's where the film started. The film really didn't, it didn't start with the story. It, it started with this, this feeling that we experienced when we were first there. And we wanted to figure out a way to capture that. And then we heard about this mystery of these truffle hunters, these these old men that that carried on this ancient tradition and went alone into the woods every night searching for this ingredient that's the most expensive ingredient in the world and can't be cultivated it's, and it, said, it, okay. it, it struck me that yes it, it's not about it's called the truffle hunters it's not about truffles people said oh it's also about dogs uh but it seemed to yep. me it could have been a movie about uh, cocaine it could have been a movie about gold <laughs> could have been a movie about <laughs> you know it's about, it's about these commodities these precious things and the way that people will mm -hmm extract them from the earth and the, the methods of the mm -hmm. way that they're connected to their local product i think cocaine is probably a sort of mm -hmm. uh, a different one but i, I don't mean i mean it, it, you know, it's, it's precious and it's expensive yeah. and it fuels this world economy that comes out of this this thing so i i, I that's why i loved it it could be it's it, it, anything it's the way we treat our environment you guys obviously fell mm -hmm. in love with it michael you know as a photographer you you mm -hmm. must have thought this 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 place is you know it, it comes out of a storybook in a way it was super magical for us but going back to your cocaine reference really interesting because we we heard a story 
we were asking these uh, people in town saying, well, you know, how do people buy these these truffles? And nobody would tell us. And then one person finally told us it took six months to get out of them. They said, look, you have to go to this town and you have to go at three o'clock in the morning. You have to go in front of this cafe. It'll look like it's closed. It'll look like nothing's happening, but you'll see this world of the exchange of the truffle, which, which seemed like a drug deal. So we went to the town that day. Somebody happened to be walking in to the building that the person told us to stand in front of. We said, is there something happens here at three in the morning? Do you see? I said, look, I've lived in my town. Nothing happens in the street. Nothing. So we went back to the truffle hunter said, and he said, go tomorrow at three in the morning. And sure enough, we got there. And it was incredible. Here were these old men in these trench coats and rain hats. It was pouring, of course, sitting in the, sh- you know, standing in the shadow of a church. And there were probably 50 of them, maybe 60 of them. And all of a sudden, the car pulls up. And it opens, and you just get this whiff of truffles coming out of that back of the head. And all of a sudden, they start running to the car. And as it, they run down the alleyways, and we're looking, going, we don't know. And they run down alleyways, and then they're all gone. They're gone. <laughs> and then we start asking people that have walked away. We start taking, we ask you a question. No, no, what just happened? What was this? And they said, no, no, nothing. But you smell, they reek from truffles. And that's, you know, that was part of the, the way that they like to sell these things. The same with a three-star chef, Enrico Crippa, who's in our film. You see him in the alleyway buying a truffle from John Franco or a truffle dealer. And we said, you have a three-star restaurant here, a three-star Michelin restaurant here in Alba. And you don't buy the truffles. No, no, no. They're always in the side alley. And this is how I've been doing it. And, and always a negotiation with this guy. But I get the best from him. And uh, I know how to get the best price. And it, we, he said, come in the alleyway two in the morning. And now I buy my truffles. So it was very much like that, which was part of the beauty of this, of these traditions that kept alive for know four or five generations well this is it. it it felt like one of those you know italy has city has loads of those like the, the paleo which has been a there's been a documentary mm-hmm. about the paleo mm-hmm. you know the horse race in siena and it has the mm-hmm. you know like it like like spain has the tomato festival tomatina or the running yeah. of the balls in pamplona one of these yeah. ancient traditions that it must it must feel like uh uh it's a secret you know it has to be a secret otherwise yeah. it wouldn't be preserved so long in this wonderful town of alba and it felt like it mm-hmm. felt like you were opening up a little treasure box to me to, to see this this secret world that I've I've heard about, I got to tell you first of all when I uh, hold the truffle, I, I thought, oh, it's going to be pigs, but it's not pigs, it's dogs. So where are the pigs, Gregory? What's happened to the pigs? Well, in in Italy they use dogs, and they they use dogs for a number of reasons. Probably the the, the number one reason is that if you if you try to take if a pig finds a truffle and you try to take it away from it, there's a good chance you're going to lose your finger. So dogs are much, they're, they're, they're much friendlier companions and they're less likely to eat the, eat the truffle. But what we discovered while filming really quickly was that this, the relationship that the truffle hunters have with their dogs, it's, it's beyond what you would expect from a relationship between a human and an animal. It's really beyond what you, I mean, they spend more time with their dogs and have, in a lot of cases, have deeper relationships with their dogs than they do any other human being on the planet. Uh, I, I mean, and we, we, we learned about this. We learned about it just through spending time with them. But really when it kind of became clear to us was when we, we came up with this, we called it a, dog, a doggy cam. And we experimented with all sorts of methods to try to figure out how to, how to get the dog's perspective in the film. And we finally worked with an Italian shoe cobbler to create a little rig that, that was custom fit for each of the dogs that we filmed with and then mounted a small camera, a GoPro camera on their heads. And we would just send the truffle hunters off into the woods with them. And we would let the camera roll in these clips. The cameras roll first three hours at a time. So they would come back three hours later and we would have hours of footage of them hunting. And it was, it was amazing. It was beautiful. Cause we got to see the, 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 the forest 
from the perspective of a dog and feel what it's like to run through the woods and be the excitement of digging up a truffle. But, but what was more is we uncovered the relationship that these dogs have with their truffle hunting companions. One of the things that we spent a lot of time thinking about as we were filming is, is why people pay so much money yeah. for these truffles. I mean, we, there, it, there's an auction in the film. And it, I love the truffles. auction. It brings it right to where we are. I love the shot from behind. There's the cushion that you put this on. There's the sacred <laughs> artifact. Yeah, I love but, it. But it, it sold, that truffle sold for, it was almost $100,000. So a, a truffle, a mushroom. And it's, if you don't eat it in three days, it's gone. It's bad. And so we're thinking like, why? And there is something very, there's something undeniably unique and special about the scent of a truffle and the experience of eating one, but a hundred thousand dollars. But why do people pay that much? And we, we've thought a lot about that while we were filming. And I think it's, you're trying to capture, it's a way, even if you don't know this world that it comes from, it's trying to just, you're getting a small piece of that. Even if you don't consciously know it, all that this this world of the film is sort of wrapped up in the experience of eating a truffle you know the fact that it comes from from people who have this ritual it somehow that's transferred to the people that that consume it and that pay the money for it and they you're basically trying to buy a piece of magic i think yeah and you know everyone you know the food the food world the foodie world is so obsessed with provenance you know for what it is and then the story that goes with it so we are biting into all of that tradition and i can see why you the layers that you add to it from the dealing in the street and then the guy selling it onto paris and then i don't know how much it costs when you end up at your at your at your michelin star table and they shave you know the, the the increase in price which is why why i think thought of cocaine in a way because it becomes a, it's a mm. raw material that becomes you know graded and layered and then there's street values mm -hmm. and different values there's a whole economy around it and I, I'm wondering mm. if that that area now is worried about how they keep this ancient tradition going is it a, is it a, an economy that can continue in the new world you know, to charge those prices to to keep this I mean I don't know what it, it must it must sustain Piedmont uh, as much as the Nebbiola wine is a key ingredient to the success of that region. Well, because it can't be cultivated and it can only be found by this handful of people, it can't scale. So because of that, I think, you know, it'll be protected. I mean, our, our goal is really to protect this cultural ecosystem. That's what we're after all of our, all of our films is protecting this land and the way of life that these regions have maintained, you know, with this deep connection to traditions and to nature. Is it, is it a secret? I mean, are you allowed to tell me where it is or, you know, because if you're getting a DOC protectorate on it, you know, it's going to be something. <laughs> we don't even know. We don't even know. It was we're going. dark. They didn't yeah. tell you we're going. <laughs> yeah. It was always dark and they were always taking us for a ride. They literally were. They were taking us down these valleys and around for hours. And we, we never really thought they took us to the right place. Never. Oh, my God. That's gonna, yeah. And what's the, way, well, so what's the best yeah. way to, to eat a truffle if I did get hold of a truffle or I went to really Because they had it yeah. on eggs, which I never, I've never that's, had. It was just a simple fried egg with a beautiful glass mm -hmm. of Nebbiolo. What, what, what more that's do it. you need? Don't, don't muck it up. Yeah. But presumably on pasta as well, it, it works beautifully. Is there yeah, a particular that's... pasta that they have there, that they, the, the way that they do yeah. it, Michael? Yeah, they have this. There's three ways. The way you mentioned just simply on fried eggs. The second way is on... Tairin. Uh, Tairin is a is a pasta that looks like almost like a thinner fettuccine, and that you just you cook it with uh, you make a, a like a butter sauce with the pasta water and the butter, you toss it in there quickly, and then you shave the truffle right on top. Mm. And the third way is just on a very simple risotto, a risotto with a little cheese uh, butter, and they think castamaggio to them is the is the, the cheese to put. And then you just shave, start shaving the truffle until you just can't stop. And then you, and then of course the perfumes released from the warmth of those three ingredients, and then your life 
is full. Ah, I'm starving already. I can vouch for it too, because Michael Dweck sent me a truffle and the tallarini from Alba delivered here, and and we had it, and it was simply delicious. Just did it like the, like he said with the butter and the tallarini, and shaved over with some parmesan on top, or Castelmagno would it if we could have. I love that film, The Truffle Hunters. I really wanted it to win all the sort of documentary awards uh, during the award season. Certainly better than that octopus teacher nonsense. So beautifully done and layers of meaning and flavour. Bravo, I would say. Okay, now to a new talent here on Seen Any Good Films Lately and another hearty film recommendation. I was watching a US indie called The Surrogate about a gay couple who engaged their best girlfriend to have a baby for them. It's all very liberal, but it's played as a sort of comedy of manners. But then it it gets very serious when complications ensue and the moral dilemma is played out among these characters, like a big game of scruples, a board game on the streets of Brooklyn. So they're not paying you. First of all, It is illegal to pay for surrogacy in New York. Second of all, no, that'd be weird. That's funny, I'm already getting comments from people saying I'm doing it for money, and I'm like, no, are you crazy? There's so many other ways to make money. Mm. I'm doing this because I want to, and because Josh and Aaron deserve... (laughs) So was I the last to know? No, no, no. Um, When I say people, I mean Jocelyn. Before I called you and dad, I talked to Jocelyn. That's it. And they are reimbursing me for every copay, every piece of maternity wear, every prenatal vitamin, even food. It's all in the contract. Good. I mean, it's, it's not a contract, it's an agreement, but we are being buried by the book. We each have lawyers. Yeah, and they're gonna be great dads. I love the dialogue uh, of the surrogate and the hesitancy of it and the subtext. I love how it sort of really nailed the vernacular of what's going on there. And I love the performance of the woman at the centre. Jess is the character and she's played by an actress new to me, Jasmine Batchelor, who uh, is just about to start opposite Denzel Washington. So I thought we should meet her, get to know a little bit more about her through her film tastes, as we do on Seen Any Good Films Lately and find out more about this knotty little relationship movie. So I began by asking Jasmine about uh, what was interesting for me was how this movie, The Surrogate, dropped a little bomb in the the well-heeled and what you would think would be genteel and very liberal area of Brooklyn. Just because you're in a part of the country or maybe, you know, you're, you know, a demographic of of a certain kind that you're going to think, you know, like this group think or think like one specific thing. And we like to think that in terms of positive and negative, right? I think this film does a good job of like showing you the different opinions that are even within people who believe that they're progressive. Well, even within couples who think they're progressive because they're a gay couple and they want, you know, they want to do this really quite, you know, what you would say is an out there thing and have a surrogate. And you say, that's really cool. And then a trendy thing to do. And then even the the gay couple are are not on the same page with their own thoughts about it. And then your character's mom isn't. And then they they have envy of this other couple and they want to go and see them. And I I was so kind of, like how you're all dancing around this 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 moral problem, this moral dilemma, yeah. which was growing inside of you. I think that also like Jeremy, Jeremy Hirsch does a really great job of like narrowing down the arguments between what it is to be a gay man of color and like a white gay man. And then if you add on to that, like affluence, if you add on to like socioeconomic status, 
things start to change. You know, there are arguments within the LGBTQIA community that are like, hey, we're oppressed as well. And also like, because you have money and because of your like race and status in the community period, you're oppressing us within the community. And those are conversations that really need to be heard and listened to. So I like, I applaud the fact that he was like, all representation of his community, of the gay community doesn't have to be like, this one thing. Yeah. We can also criticize each other. We can also get into conversation with each other. And we can see how we interact with people outside of our community when it comes to race and economic status. And, uh, you know, and your character, Jess, she's, yeah, do you know her? Do I know Jess? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know so many Jesses. I have been Jess. There's a huge piece of Jess that I drew on from earlier versions of myself, you know, in like undergrad and in like, well, really predominantly white spaces, like the kind of person you have to be in order to fold in and Mm. honestly survive. I was like, oh, I get it. Like, I get who this person is. I get why she's a people pleaser. I get why she's always trying to make everything okay. I get that she's like always in the positive, you know, this is where her voice lives. You know, (laughs) I understand, you know, I understand that. And so I have been Jess. I know Jess's to this day and I, you know, know the version of Jess who she gets to be at the end of the film too. I enjoy knowing that like, oh, okay, people grow and change. And and yet I do know all of these people that reside in this one character. Is it wonderful to see sort of, I, I suppose, actors that I didn't know any of you really uh, before I before I saw this. So for me here as a UK audience, I, I thought, yeah, we want a load of fresh talent. Uh, was that the idea to bring some fresh talent to it, to have faces that weren't necessarily so well known? If you don't had a star figure, it perhaps would have, you know, unbalanced it in some way. Well, the way Jeremy talks about it, he did try to get it made a couple of different ways. You know, people did say, hey, you should attach a star to this. He's like, well, specifically, I just want someone who could play this part. Mm. So old then fashioned. He, how old fashioned, you know? Um, so then, you know, he and Erica Hart, who uh, won the casting award for this. So like, you know, just saying she's amazing. She's amazing. Um, she relied on her, her understanding of the New York theater community and also people she met while she was working at ABC previously to bring people in who were like age appropriate and could play this part. And I'm just so happy that I happened to be in that room um, because I'd never done a movie before. I'd done like television, and like web series and, and tons of theater, but like yeah. never, never. So now you're a movie star, Jasmine. Batchel. Oh, wow. So uh, are, are you wandering around Brooklyn in a kind of jest like manner and people going, I'm sure that's, that's her. It's happened to me the one or two times I've been on the train, someone will like look at me and I'll be like, oh, do they? Nah, they don't know me. Like they've probably seen me in like a New York, off-Broadway thing, mm. and that's where they're like, oh, I've seen that girl. It's a, but I mean, it's a boat. You're on the side of a bus, maybe, or on the side of the train, because that poster's pretty, that picture of oh, the poster's pretty intense. I don't know what the, the New York poster is, but the one in the UK is, you know, it's very much oh, your yeah, face. Oh, the one in the UK is like, here yeah. is my face. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, you know, I saw that and I was like, wow, okay. Like, I've never, you know, I've never had that kind of experience before, so you know, it's, it's, you know, it's very humbling. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's so nice to have you on the show, uh, Jasmine. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you the questions that you, that you get when you come on this show. So have you seen okay. any good films lately? I have. I saw Minari not too long ago. Mm. I know it came out a little while ago, but it's my favorite film of 2021. Right. It's incredible. Another uh, yeah, good, good, good uh, I, I suppose, you know, a, a Korean family in America. We never see that before. You never well, seen we, that. Yeah. 
we've never seen we've never seen um that beauty of a film before i think it's like a classic i i told my partner i was like this is a classic american film Mm. and it should be respected as such you know it's so beautiful and the work that is done in that film is fantastic the wife i thought so too i know i know he was getting nominations and and the grandma was getting nominations Mm -hmm. the wife to me both incredible yeah oh yeah she's amazing Mm. amazing Amazing. But yeah, uh, Minari, and then I'm about to see Zola today, and I'm so excited. What's Zola? Tell uh, us Zola. Oh, Zola is also released by A24. It's written by uh, Jeremy O'Harris and Janicia Bravo, and it's based on the Twitter thread. Uh, that was like a first viral Twitter thread, uh, like, like maybe seven or so years ago. My like brain is, is blanking on the time, but it's this wild tale of this girl and you know someone who she thinks is her friend going down to florida to like pick up some money as strippers and then it's a whole crazy tale of what happens after that but it's coming out today in the u.s and i've been waiting on this film for a good year um and it looks so exciting you go to the movie theater yeah i'm going to see it at bam so yeah, it'll. I don't know when it's coming on in the UK, but when it does, oh, you have to see I it. I know. Well, you my friend Ashley Clark programs Bam, so uh, so I shall I shall oh, get on to him. Yeah, if you see Ashley, by the way, do say hello, send him my love. I will. I will. Um, now you're going to Bam, great, great cinema, great for your area where it's at. What What's the first film you ever saw at the cinema? Oh wow. Okay, I know you asked me this, and I had an answer. <laughs> now I now I'm trying to remember. I think the first film I ever saw was going to be. Uh, very cheesy was probably like sister act that's not cheesy that's a great choice (laughs) (laughs) it was like the first film i ever saw in in theaters and i made my mother um, i was very young and i couldn't even like sit down in the seat like it kept riding up i made my mother stay for two more showings so we saw it three times in a row yeah great whoopi goldberg amazing amazing and it's so good it's on disney plus now and if, if i like run across it i'll stop what i'm doing and watch it for sure and then it became a theater show as well right a stage music yeah 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 it did yeah i forgot about that yes it did which i never saw but it wasn't it was here in the west end and it did really well so yeah yeah you you had good taste right early on there jasmine (laughs) that's my mom that's not me that's my mom (laughs) oh she 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 took you she said you're gonna like this Mm -hmm. do you think it provided Mm -hmm. a you know because it's not always easy to take a kid's film and you can see some representation to see a, 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 a an inspirational black figure on the screen was that oh, yeah. was that part of her her motivation on I, that i mean i would hope so i mean to see egot you know Whoopi goldberg doing her thing <laughs> um but no my mom also just knew that like yes i loved you know figures like that on screen and also like loved singing and dancing and also loved like you know, that kind of entertainment. My mom was like, I can watch this and my daughter can watch this. Brilliant so, choice. Yeah. Brilliant choice. Yeah. She's brilliant.
that was a key film for you still. But what, was there a film that changed your life? Like I, either from being in one, well, given that this is your first one, so maybe the surrogate will do that for you. Or is there one that you mm-hmm. saw and just like the penny dropped? You were like, oh my God. You know, I saw What's Love Got to Do With It way too early in my life. <laughs> way too early uh, because my grandparents wanted to see it and it took me. Um, and they tried to do the thing where they like cover your eyes and whatnot. But well, there you know. was some violence in there. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of violence in that film. But uh, but the thing that stood out for me as a young person was seeing Angela Bassett completely own every second of that film and her transformation and the everything that she was required to do, do you know? And I saw that as like a little girl and I was like, I don't know what that is that she gets to do, but I want to do that. Mm. Um, not necessarily, you know, none of the violence, none of like what has happened to the queen, Tina, uh, but everything about the craft and what she did and, uh, and everything that she could to respect Tina's journey. I was like, I didn't realize it then as a young person, but that's what I really keyed in on. Mm. Yeah. Also She's became, brilliant. Also became film. a stage musical, Tina. Uh, yes, it did. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, it did. So Angela Bassett's the one for you. I mean, oh my God. Oh, Angela Bassett and like Whitney Houston and the bodyguard as a young person. I was like, this is it. This is the height of luxury. I can see them. I'm looking at you here and I can see them both. I can see both of them in you or the other way around. I mean, that's a high compliment because those ladies are. Yeah, take it. I mean, Whitney, you know, Whitney was my life. Was my life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to ask you to sing right yet. I mean, if you do fancy it, uh, (laughs) then let me stop you. (laughs) Do you have a film poster on your wall now? I don't anymore, um, but for a long time I had the bodyguard poster oh, you did? on my wall. I did. I love that poster, and I just learned that that's not actually Whitney in the poster. Uh, that's her stand-in. No. Yeah, yeah. I read that not too long ago. That um, That's what Kevin Costner said. And so, uh, I mean, I was like, that's a damn good stand-in. Because <laughs> <laughs> none of us know. But, you know, you think about it, you can't see her face. No. Um, you know, she's cradled in him. It's a very good poster for what the story is. Um, and that was like my favorite thing as a little girl was that movie. So, and yeah. I, I don't mean there's a theme going, but that was also a stage mu- stage musical, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I just, <laughs> I, I think I just, I think I love musicals. <laughs> really, you clearly do, but you know, you need to be getting some parts in these music, in these musical versions of the, of the, of these. One movies. day, one day, yeah. one day, speak it. Yeah. So is that why you tore down the bodyguard poster because it, you found out it wasn't Whitney, and you were just like, ah, you imposter, and you ripped it up. No, 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 no. I mean, I wish I was that dramatic, but no, I um, <laughs> no, I, I moved, and so I was like, oh, I. If I were to hang this up, I need a proper frame. So I just haven't gotten it framed yet. Mm-hmm. But I do have our movie poster finally hung up after like so many months. You uh, do? I finally framed it. Yeah, yeah. It's like the pr- one of the proudest moments of my life to be like, oh, wow. Cool. If you could get the, the gift of time travel, Jasmine Batcher, and I could send you back in time to any film set ever being made, mm-hmm. which one would you go to? So there's this film made in 1996 or 1997 called Love Jones. And it came out at a time where like my parents were uh, like really hip and young parents. And they were going to the movies all the time and like leaving me with a babysitter and going to clubs and whatnot. And I remember they saw this movie and I didn't see that movie until maybe like six years ago. And it is an incredible ensemble cast of black actors. It is such a like intimate, funny, uh, sexy film. It is so like beautiful, Mm. shot well. The storytelling is very on point and it's ageless. I feel like that kind of encapsulates what I feel like 
dating was like for me at that time. Was it, was it um, and... they were called buppy buppy dramas, weren't they? Were they? Yeah. Were they called Buffy Dogs? Buppies. Black, oh, I black had yuppie, no idea. Wasn't it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they were I like, mean, I'm, you know. I mean, it's very reductive as a genre, but I think there's a, you know, there's that and Love at Basketball and the things with, oh, yeah, yeah, things yeah. with Vivica A. Fox. They're, they, they're generally. Yeah. 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 Love and Basketball is a very different film. Also, be- also sure. such a beautiful film yeah. um, by Gina Prince by the Wood, but like Love Jones specifically because of all of those actors that got to be on that set and because it was shot in Chicago and it's such a beautiful ensemble of like the city and the people and the love and the poetry. Lorenz Tate, Nia Long, Lisa Nicole Carson, Isaiah Washington, and Bill Bellamy. I just want to ask you, uh, what type of underwear do you like? In a film about making it. All we ask is a little sex on demand. What kind of underwear do you have on? I don't wear drawers. You don't have any on right now. Have you ever fallen in love at the movies? Oh, unfortunately not. No, not with anyone I went to see a movie with, but I did fall in love with, I believe his name is like Stefan James in Beale Street. Um, oh, I remember he's... when he, oh, he's fantastic. Yes. When he comes on the screen, it's like, oh, who is that? Like, it's, stunning so thank you barry jenkins for bringing that into my life <laughs> he was he, he was some he was a whole hunk of man in that stephen james really yeah, yeah sensitive truly, truly. beautiful performance i didn't know him before that film actually i have to say beautiful performance and um there's another actor that's that's from yale um that's from in atlanta brian tyree henry yes also incredible yeah. in that movie just steals the whole film uh, but i fell in love with them in that film for sure good answers what's your favorite musical moment in any film I mean, I'm going to go back to the bodyguard and say that it's like queen of the night. I mean, nothing tops that. Nothing tops that outfit. Nothing tops that helmet. And like, you know, the breastplate and everything that she's wearing. It's incredible. Yes. Good choice. Good choice. favorite cinema i know you're going to bam this afternoon or tomorrow to see it to see a movie where's your favorite cinema in the world uh, my favorite cinema in the world is a little theater called the neon it's in dayton ohio and it's where i first discovered independent film is where i went to undergrad in dayton ohio and uh they used to have these tuesdays where it was like discounted for students and i got to watch so many incredible films that i did not know existed there and they still are such supporters of my work today and they showed the surrogate um so it's just a, a really fond place for me <laughs> listen for now the surrogate's great uh i can't see that being a musical but you never know no absolutely not <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> but if it were you would smash it you've been a brilliant guest i've seen any good films lately jasmine batchelor thanks so much for joining me thank you so much for having me incidentally that film zola that jasmine was recommending uh it's coming out here on the 6th of august starring taylor page and riley keogh uh, and it's also closing the sundance film festival uh version of the london version of that when it plays here on sunday the 1st of august you want to hear a story about how me and this bitch fell out it's kind of long but it's full of suspense 
You want to go somewhere with me? That's my place. Show it so bad. Dear Heavenly Father, we are asking you a special prayer today. We asking you to send us niggas. Send us niggas with culture. Send us niggas with good credit. What brings y'all here? We making shmoney. Money, titties, money, titties. From here on out, watch every move this bitch make. Thanks, Jasmine. And thanks, Strike. The drink with all the spirit, none of the alcohol. They've been supporting the main interview on Cinely Good Films lately all season. And I think a cool glass of Strike's not vodka and tonic would be a great accompaniment to the surrogate. Head to strike.com, S-T-R-Y-K-K.com, and have a look at their recipe ideas on there and get some blog thoughts from me on why we should all be going back to the cinemas and to get 40% off your order. Just enter Jason40 in your voucher code when you're paying for it and it'll all come to you. So thanks, Strike. Get drinking in bottles now or in cans. And talking to cans... That's where I'm headed. Next, I'll be looking to do a can special of Seen Any Good Films Lately from out there just for you. So before I go, you might just like Lady Boss, the Jackie Collins story. I did. It's a dock of big shoulder pads and leopard prints and 80s feminism with a lot of friends and family talking about Jackie Collins and her success and her private life, which looked great in all that Super 8 footage of Saint-Tropez and Gestat, but it wasn't always as rosy as it looked. There's lots of great Hollywood stuff with her and Joan, her sister, who still can't bring herself to be too nice about Jackie. It's very stylishly directed by Laura Ferry, and it's a doc about constructing an image and putting a face on. It's a doc about sex and bitchiness and rivalry and money and surviving and family. It's a film every woman will understand. I sort of knew it was a different upbringing. Parenting wasn't really a verb back in, back in the 70s and 80s. I didn't really understand what it was she was doing. All I knew was that Mummy was on TV a lot. There were definitely two sides. It was Mum. And there was Jackie Collins. That's Lady Boss, the Jackie Collins story. Definitely recommended. And plenty there to keep in mind for Jason's three to see. So I'm going for Black Widow at the movies. Yes, please. The Truffle Hunters is a musty must. And, well, I'm still very keen for you to see The Father with Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman still on at cinemas. Let me know what you think about any of those, anything that you've seen in the cinema or anywhere else. I can't keep up with everything, of course, so it's always great to hear from you and your recommendations. Just email sagful at jasonsolomons.com or put a comment up where you get your podcasts and subscribe. Thanks to Jasmine Batchelor, to Michael Dweck and to Gregory Kershaw. You can read more about them and the Truffle Hunters in my piece in The New European, which you can find online, neweuropean.co.uk. Uh, I've also got a big piece in the current edition about the 50 greatest European movies. Ooh, that was fun to compile. Well, it really got me in the mood, uh, all those European movies. I'm off to Cannes. And I'll be in touch from there, where all people will be asking, is have you got your COVID test? Have you heard about any parties? No, but really the first question they always ask me on the croisette is, 
Hey, Jason, you seen any good films lately? 